0: Thank you for listening to the Abundant Life Sermon Podcast. Abundant Life is based out of Lee Summit, Missouri and has campuses throughout the Kansas City metro area and online. We want to see your life changed by Jesus. For more information about Abundant Life or for locations and service times, visit livingproof.co. Thanks for listening.
1: Well, what's up, Abundant Life? If you have a copy of God's Word, what not you find the book of Acts chapter one is where we're gonna be at this morning. We are kicking off a new series where we are walking through the book of Acts and we are looking at spirit-led leadership. And I'm so excited that you came here to kick off your new year. Hopefully you had an incredible holiday season and we are getting back in God's Word, getting ready to, to do this new series. And it's gonna be amazing. I want you to mark your calendar. We're doing a thing called a Leadership Summit on the first weekend of February. And we're really praying that this weekend will be a catalyst in the leadership culture in our church that we're asking God, would you do some new things in the life of our church and we're saying God thank you for all the things that you have done but but God we know that you have more God we know that you are the God that is a that gives life abundantly and we want to be a God we want to be a people that are expecting God for more than we could ever think or imagine and we're really praying that this weekend will be a catalyst and a kickoff to a really incredible year as we call people to get involved into the lifeblood of abundant life back in the day uh, in the book of Acts in the first church they didn't have leadership summits uh, they just simply uh, were spending time with Jesus, and then Jesus was telling them some things that they need to do, and they did what Jesus said to do. And that's a really good way to model your life. And you see early on in this book of Acts that this group of people, they were just ordinary people like you and me, and they had spent time with Jesus, and Jesus did extraordinary things through them because he sent his Holy Spirit to indwell them, and he called them to turn the world upside down, and they did. And the reason why we're here today 2,000 years later is because men and women of God, they Believed in the promises of God, they followed the call of God, and they were empowered by the Spirit of God to go do the work of God, and it changed the world. And we are here today as recipients and as people that are walking in the legacy of their faithful obedience, and we want to perpetuate that this morning and this year. That the people back in the first church they had a vision from Jesus Christ that demanded divine intervention that kept them in a place of desperation. They were desperate to be filled with the Spirit of God to go do the work of God. That if God. God's spirit didn't come. If God didn't show up and show out in a big way, they weren't gonna do what Jesus had called them to do. They were desperate for God. You ever been desperate for something? Desperate, if you need a definition of what I mean so you don't think about a housewife, let me just tell you what I mean real quick. <laughs> desperate is um, it's having an urgent need. That's what it means to be desperate. I've got to have this thing and I've got to have it now. Some of y'all, maybe you've come in here and you're desperate for a breakthrough. That 2023, you're hoping this will be your year. You know, you were, you've been plagued with some things and, and you tried some new tips and tricks last year and it didn't pan out and you're like, oh God, I'm desperate for a, a new breakthrough. Some of you are desperate for provision. Uh, the holiday season's been hard on you, if you're being honest. That you didn't think you'd be uh, unemployed for this long and, 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 and you had expectations financially and, and you're, you've got more uh, bills than you got budget and you're trying to figure out how I'm gonna make this thing happen and you're, you're desperate for provision. Some of y'all just desperate for a date, you know what I'm saying? Holler, you know, like you on date naps and, and you trying to like meet people and you just, you just want somebody to ask you out or you want to ask out somebody, you know, you're just desperate for a date, you know. Desperate, you've been desperate for something. I read a book last year called Unbroken. It chronicles the life of a man named Lou Zamperini, and if and if if there's a word to describe a Lou's situation, it'd be desperate. Lou was he's a he's a veteran. He fought in World War II. Thank you for all those that have fought for our freedom. And he was shot down, and and um, yeah, you can clap. It's fine. Uh, Lou's plane was shot down. Some of y'all know his story, and and he was he was a castaway for 47 days on shark-infested Pacific waters. And, uh, and he was desperate for water, even though he was surrounded by water. He was desperate for a rescue. And um, just to kind of add insult to injury, Lou was rescued, him and his crew. They were rescued by the Japanese, who were our enemies at the time. And they were rescued by a Japanese warship that immediately transferred them to become prisoners of war. And here's a picture of Lou and some of his compadres. And you can see they're, they're, they're not looking so good. They were, a PO, they were in a POW camp for two years and some of the worst POW camps in human history. And, and you can see Lou right here, and, and, and there's no doubt that when he was shipwrecked and a castaway, he was desperate for rescue. Then he finally gets rescued and thrown into a POW camp, and now he's desperate for liberty. And by God's grace, and y'all know the history, he was able to be liberated. And, uh, and he went back to civilian life, and he was, he was able to, to get his physical needs met. The reason why I start there this morning is because as a castaway is desperate for a rescue, as a POW is desperate for freedom, so the Christian should be desperate for the Spirit of God. Listen, I don't know if you've come to this conclusion yet in your life. If you're a follower of Christ, here's the conclusion that you've got to come to quickly. You and I, we are toast apart from the Spirit of God moving in our life. Like, we can't do the thing that God's called us to do without God Almighty moving mightily on our behalf. And this is how God has set the whole thing up. Like, he's gonna call you to do things that are outside of your capacity and your power to do so that you run to him and say, God, you're asking me to do stuff that I can't do in my own strength. He's like, exactly. And we, we need to have a desperation for the Spirit of God to empower us to do the thing that God's called us to do. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this spiritual principle down. Leadership principle number one. A Spirit-led leader is desperate for the Holy Spirit. A Spirit-led leader is desperate for the Holy Spirit. And listen, you won't be desperate for the Holy Spirit until you understand the call of God clearly. Until you feel the sense of urgency and you realize that the Spirit is made available to all. There's a guy named Luke, he was a doctor that wrote the book of Acts, and Luke actually wrote a couple of books in the New Testament. He wrote a book that is titled Luke, and it's the Gospel of Luke, and he also wrote this book called Acts. And we find out in Acts chapter one, the person that paid for Luke to do this, and here's what it says in Acts one, starting in verse one. It says, the former account I made of Theophilus, Theophilus was the guy that paid for, or or could even represent the people that paid for Luke's research project. He says, the former account I made of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the, the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive, amen, alive, and his suffering by many infallible proofs, Being seen by them during forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, what Luke is saying, he's kind of this is a callback to his first research project. He did a research project where he 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 studied the the life of Jesus Christ and he reported the acts of God Almighty and His Son Jesus Christ. And he he said, "This is I investigated the claims." of Jesus that he claimed to be God. And, and here's the proof. Here's the, it says here, the, the infallible proofs. And it's reported in the gospel of Luke or the good news of Luke. And he goes on, he says in verse four, he says, and being assembled together with them, Jesus, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the father, which in quotes, he said, you have heard from me for John's truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. I was talking with a guy down the crossroads of Kansas City, and we were talking about faith. And I said, do you have a faith? And, and he just, you know, he said, man, yeah, I do. I'm, I'm a Buddhist. And I said, okay, well, what does that look like for you? And we start talking about his faith, and then he asked me about my faith, and I told him I was a Christ follower. And, and he said, you know, I've read parts of the Bible, and he's like, what, what's up with the Holy Spirit? I was like, we're going there, you know? <laughs> wow, that's a—and I just looked back at him. And I said, well, really, that's not the best question to ask because the Holy Spirit's not a what— it, it's really who is the Holy Spirit. And I said, the Bible teaches that God is a, a triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and I, I just begin to tell him the Holy Spirit's a person. And the Holy Spirit, is, it is, the, it is the, the Spirit of God made manifest in the life of the believer. And, and the Spirit of God, it, it's, it's God Almighty. The Holy Spirit is meant to be worshiped. The Holy Spirit is, is the MVP of the book of Acts that the Holy Spirit's mentioned over 50 times in the book of Acts. And so Luke, he's now turning a corner. He says, I wrote about God's son playing some things out in the gospel of Luke. And now I'm writing about God's spirit playing some things out in the book of Acts. And he goes on in verse six and he says this. He says, therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, he's talking about his disciples, asking Jesus, saying, Lord, uh, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus, he said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons, which the father has put in his own authority. Note this, if you're looking for a verse to underline or to memorize this year, this would be a great verse. In verse eight, it says this, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. If you're taking notes this morning, you could write this down. Point number one, a clear call, a clear call. Jesus is making the call abundantly clear. Uh, And I don't know, (laughs) I love reading the Bible because I don't know if you ever read the Bible and you're like, man, these folks, they're just like, they're just like me, you know? And what I mean by that is that they're with Jesus and he's been teaching them all of these things. And, and they're like, yeah, yeah. But what about the end times? You know, like some of y'all are end times junkies. And I love that, you know, like, love to read revelation and study all the end times prophecy. And, and we are a church that really believes that when you understand what's going to happen in the end, it really impacts the way you live today. And so we are a church that loves God's word and loves what God teaches about that. And, and these folks, like they're no different than people just like you and me. And so they're asking Jesus, they're like, all right, but, but, but could you tell us like is now when you're going to usher in like is when are we doing this and jesus is like hey hey let me let me focus your attention those things are important but this is what you need to be called to right now and he says this you're going to receive the holy spirit so that you can go be a witness in the world I think we've come in here, uh, modern Americans and the globalization of what's happening. When we think world, we think, yeah, I could hop on an airplane and go to this place in another country. But back in the day on the outskirts of the Roman empire, they would have thought the world, there's no way that we could impact the world. Most of them hadn't traveled very far in their life. Most of them, they didn't didn't know what an airplane was or they didn't know what an engine was. They, They didn't know how to get places. And so Jesus tells them, this is what you need to be focused on. The call is clear. You are to be my witnesses. You're gonna receive power to go out and do the thing I've called you to do. And listen, this was the call on the first church. This was the call on these early believers. And this is the call on every believer here today. That God wants you to receive his his spirit so that you can be empowered to be his witnesses in the world. Uh, To put it bluntly, listen, God wants to use you. It says right here in the word of God that you're gonna receive power. This word power is the Greek word dunamis. We get our word dynamite from it. And, and, and it's, where it's like you're gonna get this power from God Almighty to be his witnesses. The word witness is the word martyrs, so where we get our word martyr. That God's called us to, to share the gospel in such a way that if we were in a place that was persecuting Christians for sharing their faith, we would be guilty. And listen, we're not all called to, to die a martyr's death, but we are all called to live a martyr's life. And a martyr's life is somebody that has given their life over to making known the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we are called to witness. And listen, God wants to use you. And I think there's, there's automatically all of these objections that go on in my mind when I hear this. And so no doubt, I'm sure that there's some objections that go on in your mind. Like I've been in spaces like this and I've heard messages where it's like, man, God wants to use you. You're going to go be his witnesses. He's going to use you to, to reach the world. It's going to be incredible. And I'm like, man, not me. Like, you don't know, it's New Year's Day, bro. You don't know what I was doing last night. Man, not me. You don't know the family I come from. God, God don't use people like me. He don't use glovers. We, we're on the other side. No, God, you got, no, he can't use me. I got a past. I'm not talented enough. God only uses special people. He, he don't use ordinary people like me. And I'm here to tell you that every one of those objections is a lie from the pit of hell. That God wants to use you. What if this was the year that you, you really begin to believe in the promises of God Almighty? That, that he, there's, there's no tryout for his team. You made the roster. He wants to use you to be a witness to the world around you. God wants to move, tells us in the word of God that the eyes of the Lord are searching the earth, looking to and fro for hearts that are fully surrendered to him so that he might move mightily on their behalf. God wants to use you. And only until you realize that God using you has nothing to do with you Will you be ready to receive the Holy Spirit? And what I mean by that is that you don't have to, you don't have to get all of the degrees or get all, of, the only thing that you need to, pre, to bring to God is your dependence. The only thing you need to bring to God is your need. And when you say, God, I'm available and I need you, he's ready to move in you. And God, he wants to use you to be his witnesses. What, what do you mean by witness? What it means to be a witness is that you share about the life the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus and how that's impacted your life. You verbalize your faith. And so like when you're, when you're sharing tomorrow or, or Tuesday, when you go into the office and somebody asks, how was your holiday? You can share about your holiday. You can share about a gift, but choose your narrative. You have the power to speak the thing that is most impactful in your life. And if you're here and you claim that Jesus has changed your life, tell somebody. And just say, hey, can I share with you one of the most, most, most important things in my life? And you can just say, man, this holiday season, I was just reflecting upon one of the most important things in my life. And then, and then share about Jesus's life and how it's changed you and be a witness. What if this was the year that you witnessed to your coworker? What if this was the year that you witnessed to your neighbor? What if this was the year that you shared your testimony with your grandkids? What if this was the year that you witnessed to your roommate? What if this was the year that you verbalized your faith? Some of you, you've never shared the gospel before because you haven't put yourself out there and this is the year that you do the thing that God's called you to do. Others of you, you've shared the gospel countless times and it's time to recommit to do the things that we are called to do. The call is clear to be a witness to the world around us. I wanna challenge you this morning. Hopefully it's okay if I challenge you at church. Now, I like to be coddled at church sometimes. We need comforting and coddling. But also, I like to be challenged when I come to church. I don't want to come here and just say, hey, man, you got all going on. You're doing good. I need to be challenged. And when I, we, when I read the Word of God, it's, it's always challenging to me. Amen. So here's the challenge. If you're writing notes, you can just write them. This year, I will witness to blank. Let's make a commitment right now. It's New Year's Day. This is the day we make commitments. This year, and I, but we're going to follow through on this one. This year, I'm going to witness to blank. Notice I didn't say this year I'm going to save blank. You can't save anybody. You share. It's God's job to save, your job to share. This year I'm going to witness to blank. Some of you, you know who needs to be in the blank. Others of you, you don't know that person. Maybe you just write down this year, I'm going to witness to someone. And listen, the call is clear. Jesus wants to use you. He wants to empower you with his spirit to be his witness. The call is clear. And note this, the time is now. Back in the text in verse nine, it says this. Now, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, so Jesus had spoken these things, the disciples are there watching. He was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus who was taking, uh, taken up from you into heaven will, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. You get the picture, right? So Jesus has taught with them. He's like, you wanna be my witnesses. You're gonna go change the world. And they're like, every hand in here, like ready, break. And then Jesus ascends into the heaven and it says they're looking steadfastly up in the sky. They're like, Jesus, Jesus, come back. Like, where are you going? Like, we need you here, right? And they're just, they're steadfastly like, and then all of a sudden these two angels appear, right? There was, there was this number and now there's plus two. And then they start talking, you know, so they're looking steadfast. And then these two in white start talking. I'm sure they were like, ah, you know, like they were a little bit startled. And the angels are like, hey, hey, what are y'all doing? Like just the same way he ascended, he's gonna descend. And so don't, don't just stand here like, what do we do now? Like he's told you the things you need to do. And so get to the work. And they're feeling a sense of urgency. Point number two, if you're taking notes, you could write this down, a sense of urgency a sense of urgency. There's a sense of urgency when you understand the imminency of Jesus's return. When you understand that life is short, that eternity is long, that heaven and hell are real, that people will only go to heaven if they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that the call is clear, you are the witness, that the time is now, you'll begin to have a sense of urgency. That if if, if I don't do this thing, then who's gonna do the thing? Well, that's the call. There is no other plan. You are the plan. If not you, then who? If not now, then when? The call is clear. The time is now. We have to have a sense of urgency. Godly leaders, they live with a sense of urgency. They understand that what's at stake. They understand that God's given us this window of opportunity and he wants to use us to be his representatives, to appeal to people, to be reconciled to God. And so the newness of life that you've experienced, if you're a Christian, he wants you to share the wealth. You know one thing you won't get to do in heaven? Lead people to Jesus. You know, you're not in heaven like, hey, do you have a faith? Everyone's like, who's the new guy? <laughs> yes, we have a faith, you know? <laughs> you know, on a scale of one to 10, 10 being, you know, you're not asking those questions, Right? Listen, now is our opportunity to be a witness. We have to have a sense of urgency. I don't know if you're anything like me, but, uh, but sometimes I, I forget this and, I, and I'll delay what I need to do. I think there's a few reasons why we delay what we need to do. Here's one reason, well, we get disillusioned. I've already said this before, but I think sometimes I get disillusioned and I think, well, God can't use me. Listen, again, God wants to use you. Another reason why we delay is because we get distracted. You know, well, I, I forgot, you know, and I... Uh, I was uh, I was I was watching the game, and KU went into overtime. And who called that play, you know? And so anyway, and we get distracted, and oftentimes we'll miss the important because of the immediate. And we'll say, God, I want you to. Use, we'll come to places like this, and we'll make promises, but then we go out, and life hits us right, and we get distracted. I think one of the greatest tactics of the enemy is if he can't make us bad he'll just make us busy and we'll busy our days away being distracted and we'll miss the thing that we were put on God's green earth to do Uh, another thing that, that causes us delay is just delaying like we'll just well I'll do it later You know, um, I'll, you know, I was talking with a guy earlier and and he's like, this guy called and, and the Michigan TCU game just started. And, and he's like, and he knows that this is a guy that he needs to have a spiritual conversation with. And he's like, um, yeah, man, I'm busy right now. (laughs) You know, like, and then he was thinking, I'll, I'll do this after the game. But, but the spirit of God spoke to him and prompted him, Hey, this is priority. And you can catch the highlights of the TCU game. And oftentimes we will delay the thing that we know we need to do. We just had a neighbor move in next door to us. And, and it's one of those things that the longer I delay having a spiritual conversation with somebody that's living in cr- close proximity with me, the more awkward it gets for me. I don't know if this is you, but oftentimes like, I'm like, I need, to, I need to let this be known that I love the Lord sooner than later. Because like three years later, if I'm like, oh yeah, and like, man, God radically changed my life like 10 years ago. I just think the, the recipient's like, it took you three years to tell me how radically changed your life has been? You know, like, why didn't you introduce that sooner? Why, why are we more fired up about the game today at noon than we are about telling people about the Lord? And, and that's, that's not me throwing shade on anybody. That's all of us. That there are things that we get more excited about and God's like, man, I need you to be focused on the mission. And you can celebrate what are the thing that you're into, but also use that as a platform to share your faith. But oftentimes I delay what I know that God's called me to do. Or the last reason why I delay is because I'm just disobedient. There, there have been times in my life where God's like, hey, this is the call. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, and I've given you the, the, the opportunity. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, what happened? I'm like, I just didn't want to do it. I didn't want to be weird. I do not want to be that guy. And, I, and there's been times in my life, and I've seen this play out in many people's lives, where we'll hear the mandates in the scripture, that this is, this is a prescription for all believers at all times. And then we'll think, you know, I'm just not going to do that. I'm not that guy. And we'll disobey God. And listen, anytime we sin, it leads to death. Death of an opportunity. Death of a, of a, of a, a, a time where we could be used by God. I don't know why I disobey God. Listen, God is the Lord of the universe. And so he's not a suggester, he's a commander. And so when he tells us to be a witness, he's saying, this is not a suggestion. This is a part of the legacy of being a Christian. This is a part of the deal. And and not only that, but God is good, y'all. Like there are things that God is doing in people's lives and he's wanting to use you to impact them. Like God's like, I'm trying to save people and I'm trying to use you. Come on, man, let's go, you know? And like, I don't know if you're anything like me, but if you've had a spiritual conversation with somebody or you've witnessed to somebody, there's this like battle inside of me where I'm like, oh, oh, I don't know, I don't know. And oftentimes I'll miss out, but almost every time I have a spiritual conversation with somebody, I'm so full and I'm so excited and I'm so blessed that God used this guy, you know? Just last night we were talking with somebody out in the street and it was like, Hey, do you have a faith? And, and, uh, we have this conversation it turns and by the end of it, she's crying and my wife's praying for it. And it's like, we had this holy sacred moment. And the thing that unlocked all of that was a willingness to be a witness. I think so many of us are missing out on being used by God there's nothing more exciting than the obedient life the abundant life is the obedient life and we say God here I am all of me I want you to use me and you take the risk you make the call you have the conversation and you feel God move in that situation it's exciting y'all and some of you have bought into a version of Christianity that you're growing bored with because you think that it's just about you doing some things and then, and then supporting people doing the work of God. Listen, God wants to use you. He wants to work mightily on your behalf. He wants you to be his witness. We need a sense of urgency, church. We need a sense of of Jesus is returning. We need a sense of of understanding this reality that that the return of Christ, listen, it should motivate us to obey Christ. What if this was the year that we lived with that sense of urgency? What if this was the year that we lived in light of Jesus's return? The call is clear, the time is now, and the task is impossible unless the spirit of God moves mightily in our life. And the first church, they knew that. That's why it tells us in verse 12 that after Jesus told them to go to Jerusalem and and wait for the Spirit, that's exactly what they did. Verse 12 says, and then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey, about half a mile. It says, and they entered and and they went up into the upper room where they were staying. And so here's kind of a a Rolodex of people. You got Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, the zealot, Judas, the, the son of James. These are all the guys. These are like Jesus' disciples, the apostles. It says, and they, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication, with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. This is an important detail. First of all, that Luke would include the women is very important because in this culture, women, they were considered second-rate people. But the, but the gospel and the Bible teaches that men and women were created equal. Okay, that was like a great spot, ladies. All right, that was it. Like that, like I don't give you a lot of these, but that was like, amen, all right. Yeah, amen, amen, that's right. And I think we, we know that. I mean, we know that men and women are created equal, but in this culture, they, they really didn't believe that in a culture. And so when the Bible was written, it's eroding the sexism that exists in this culture from the inside out. Just by saying like, the, and the women were there too. This wasn't just a man thing. All right, And it also tells us in this detail that, that not only the women were there, but it says that mother, the Mary of Jesus, and, and his brothers were there. I don't know how your holiday was, but we went back down to the motherland, uh, down to Texas, and I got to spend time with, with my side of the family primarily. And, 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 man, my mom, my mom loves her some Chad, all right? She loves her boys, all right? And, uh, you know, there's, there's no evil I could do in her eyes, I promise you. It's kind of sickening at times. But anyway, um, but here's, here's something my mom, <clears throat> my mom has never done. Uh, she's never worshiped me and asked for my spirit to indwell her, okay? I mean, she loves me, but she doesn't think I'm God, all right? <clears throat> and my brothers definitely don't think I'm God, okay? I'm the baby of three boys. We were all in high school together. We had some fights growing up, all right? And, uh, and my oldest brother, he wasn't like, hey man, say, I've been thinking a lot about you lately. And uh, I wrote a song. Called I Love You Chat. No, that ain't happening, all right? <clears throat> like, what would you have to do to convince your mom and your siblings to go wait for your, your spirit to fill them and that you were God? Well, you'd probably have to die on a cross and then resurrect from the grave. So the fact that Jesus' mom and his siblings are here waiting on the Holy Spirit, that there's something that has happened. And when you read the Gospels, <clears throat> They were embarrassed by Jesus, calling him crazy because the things he was saying was crazy. But then he, he, did, he did the thing that he said he was gonna do. He was crucified, he rose from the grave, proving that every crazy claim to be God was true. And so his mom and brothers are there, kind of crazy. And then it tells us in, in verse 15, it says, and in those days, Peter... Uh, One of the disciples, one of Jesus's best friends, he he stood up in the midst of the disciples and it says that altogether the number of the names was about 120. The rest of the text goes on to tell us that they picked a, a new disciple to replace Judas, the one that betrayed Jesus. And then we find out, we'll find out next week about the spirit of God falling upon these first believers. We get the picture, right? They're in the upper room and they're waiting for the spirit of God that they have a desperate pursuit for God Almighty to move greatly. Point number three, and finally, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. A desperate pursuit, a desperate pursuit. The first believers, they were desperate for God to send the Holy Spirit just like Jesus had promised. They knew what you and I need to know, that you cannot obey God without God's Spirit. You, You cannot do the thing that God has asked you to do without his Spirit empowering you. That you and I, we cannot muster up enough self-strength and self-motivation to go live a godly life apart from God. That God wants to empower all of us to be the men and the women that he's created us to be. Uh, think about it this way, think about this light bulb, this lamp, excuse me. This lamp represents you and, and in this lamp is a light bulb you know, and it's full of potential. You know, it, it, is, it was created to light up its environment. And, uh, and, and it's in the right place. It has all the right potential. And if I went to this lamp and I just said, hey, you need to light it up. You need it. come on, let's go. You are called to be a light and you are in a place. The time is now, the call is clear. Let's go, baby. If the lamp could talk, the lamp would look at me and say, there's one big problem. I don't have the power to do the thing that you're telling me to do. Right? And I think we can, we can come in here and we can live, listen to a message like this, like the call is clear, the time is now, let's go. And like we could run out there and then we can fall flat on our faces if we don't take the time to get connected to the power source. You cannot do the thing that God's called you to do apart from the power of God's spirit inside of you. And so what we need to do is that we need to find the power source and then we need to connect our lives to the spirit of God so that we can do the thing that God's called us to do. We can have potential. We can be in the right place, but if we're not connected to the power source, we'll miss the reason why we were made. And this morning, I'm trying to call every one of us back to this basic truth that if you're going to be a spirit-led leader, if you're going to be a godly leader, you're gonna to have to be connected to the power source to be able to do the thing that God's called you to do. And that's what the early church was doing. They're saying, we're desperate for a move of God. We're desperate for God's spirit to move inside of us. God, you've called us to do the things that you've called us to do, but we need you to be able to actually do those things. We can't be witnesses into the world. We can't stare death in the face and not deny Christ unless you give us the strength to do that. God, help us. It tells us here that, that there were 120 people that were there all together. I think sometimes I'll read through uh, some of those numbers and I'll be like, okay, 120, what's next? And, and I'll miss the significance of the numbers. The numbers are in, the, in the Bible are typically there for a reason. And this number 120, it's significant for at least two reasons. One is um, in this culture, it took 120 people to constitute like a formal recognized gathering. And so if you were to start like a club or to start like a a society in the Roman society, you would need a minimum of 120 people. And so when it tells us that 120 people were there, this is like the cultural stamp of validation. This is a legit thing. And the other reason why that number is significant is because it's only 120. And what I mean by that is when you read in other parts of the Bible, what you find out is that the resurrected Christ, he revealed himself to, to like 500 people at least. It tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 4, it says this about Jesus. Uh, Paul, he said this. He said that Jesus was buried, that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, that's also Peter, that's like a street name, and and then by, by the 12. And it says, and after that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. So here's like, when I read that and then I go back to Acts chapter one and I'm like, all right, so 500 people saw the resurrected Christ. Think about that. If I could see God, I'd believe, would you? 500 people saw the resurrected Christ, but only 120 people are waiting for the spirit of God to fall. Like in my mind, I'm like, what happened to the 380, you know? Like if, if 500 saw Jesus, why weren't there 500 waiting for the spirit? Because not everybody's desperate for the spirit of God. That many people will come into places like this and they want God to bless them. They want to be impacted by God, but they're not desperate for God. Are you desperate for God? Are you desperate for God? Have you come into this place, not just wanting to get a blessing, not just wanting to get kind of a good feeling? Are you desperate for God's spirit in your life? And the reason why there was only 120 people waiting is because not everybody is desperate for God. But these people, they were desperate for God. Would you have been in the upper room? Would you have been a part of the 120? What does what, what desperation for God look like? Well, let me give you five things real quick. You know that you're desperate for God when, the first thing is this, is that you understand the call clearly. You'll become desperate for God when you understand that God's asking you to do something you can't do. And when you understand the call clearly that you're called to be a witness to the world and you're called to lead people into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, you come to the point where you're like, I don't have what it takes to save anybody. And when you understand the call clearly that God wants to use you to reach the world, you're like, God, I'm desperate for you to help me do the thing that you're asking me to do because it seems impossible. The, the second way that you know that you're desperate for God is that you, uh, you see Christ's return imminently. You understand the call is clear that the time is now. It's like, God, you're, if you're returning and if, and if you want me to be obedient with the things that you've given me and you want me to be a, a, a faithful servant to the, to the work that you called me to, God, like I, I'm desperate for you to help me to do this. I know that you're returning. I believe in your promises. I, I, I need you to help me. The third way that you know that you're desperate for God is that you walk in unity. It tells us in verse 14 that they were together in one accord that they were unified around this one thing. We are all here gathered to receive the spirit of God. And I'm sure that they had differences in that day, uh, in that area, just like you and I have differences. I was talking with a family member recently, and he was, he was, um, he was asking me what, what my thoughts were about people wearing hats in church. He's like, it's just so offensive. So offensive, you know, wearing hats in church. And, uh, and I think that there, there is some offense with that for some people, and but you know, he's like, you work at a church? How do y'all deal with that? And, and I just said, man, here, here's where I've come to land in my life. On the mission, I'm, I, I'm, I'm locked in, white knuckled. I'm hanging on to the mission. But on the methods, I'm trying to have an open hand. And so often we'll get so focused on something that does not matter in eternity. And we'll get so distracted. And what we see here is when you're desperate for God, you're united around what matters most. And so some of, some of us, I mean, we're, there are so many differences here. And let us not be divided on our political preferences. Let us not be divided on our wardrobe preferences. Let us not be divided on, on our location that we live, the campus that we attend, the church house that we're involved in. Let us not be divided on any of those things, but let us be united around the one common fact that we desperately need the spirit of God to dwell inside of us so that we can go be the witnesses that God's called us to be. And you know that you're at a place of desperation when you're not getting caught up in trivial things. You know, you're in a place of desperation when, like, think about Lou Zamperini. I'm starving to death. Well, what's on the menu? Is it too salty? Is it, is it fish or is it, is it pork? He's like, I don't care. I'm starving to death. I just need something, you know? And when we get to that place of desperation, I don't care, I don't care what you're, what you're, if you got a hat on or if not. I don't care what the music style is. I don't care what the color of the carpet is. I don't care where you're from. I don't care what you've done. We have come in here to say, God, we are beggars needing bread from heaven. And we're desperate for the spirit of God. And they were walking in unity. It says they were together in one accord. The next way that you know you're desperate for God is that you, you pray earnestly. It tells us that they were praying and they were asking God to supply them. They were praying prayers of supplication. Prayer is the thing that you're doing when you're declaring your desperation. How do I know if I'm desperate for God? What's your prayer life look like? How, how, do I, how, do I, how do I show God my desperation? Well, it's on your knees. Prayer is the language of the dependent. Our prayerlessness is a declaration of our independence. When we cease to pray, what we're saying to God is, I got it. And God's like, You don't, because you can't do the thing that I'm asking you to do apart from my spirit indwelling you. And so these other believers, they were praying earnestly. And then, number five, the way that you know that you're desperate for God is when you wait expectantly. When you wait expectantly, they were there in the upper room and they were not moving until the Spirit of God came. They said, God, we will stay here and we will wait because the thing that we need to go do, the thing you've called us to do, we don't have yet. And they were waiting and the spirit of God fell upon them. And we'll talk about that more next week. And, and, but they were waiting, expecting, God, you said and you're gonna deliver. And that's exactly what God did with these first believers. Are you desperate for God? I think we've lost our sense of desperation in our generation. I think there's this tendency for all of us to be lulled to sleep by this satanic lullaby where we, we, we become deaf to the call of God. There's a tendency in my heart and in your heart to choose entertainment over engagement, to choose comfort over calling, to, to choose distraction over desperation. What if this was the year that you got desperate for God to move in your life? You said, God, I'm sick and tired of, of looking at the things I'm looking at on my phone. God, I'm sick and tired of, of chasing the relationships that are that are dead-end relationships. God, I'm sick and tired of going to this thing to get consolation when I know that just leaves me in a place that is no good. God, I, I'm desperate for you to move in my life. God, my family, I'm, I'm desperate for you to move amongst my children, amongst my spouse. God, I'm desperate for you to move in my colleagues' life. God, I'm desperate for you to move in my neighborhood. God, I'm desperate for you to move in my city. God, I'm desperate for you to move in my nation. What if this was the year that you got desperate for God to move? Listen, we say this often and it bears repeating that we need a vision that demands divine intervention that keeps us in a place of desperation. Are you desperate for God to move in your life? What if this was the year that you got desperate and you begin to ask God, God, would you, would you show up? Listen, if God, if God doesn't show up in your, in your health situation, if God doesn't show up in your, in your financial situation, if God doesn't show up in your, in your spiritual situation, what if this was the year that you asked God, God, would you show up? If you don't show up, I'm toast. And this is the year you believed for healing. You believed for salvation. You, you believed for provision. You started praying, God, would you bring that prodigal back home? God, would you bring breakthrough in this situation and in my life and in their life? Listen, I don't know about you, but I don't want my life to be explainable. I don't want the church that I'm a part of to be explainable. What I mean by that is that I don't want to be able to explain my life apart from a great move of God. One preacher in New York, he says this, may we despair at the thought of God not moving mightily on our behalf in our lifetime. I don't want to be a part of a church that's like, yeah, yeah, we, you know, we tried some things that were uh, um, achievable. And I'll be meeting with Pastor Phil and he'll, he'll say, man, I feel like this is where God's leading our church. And I'm like, bro, that sounds impossible. He's like, I know we're're going're we're, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna push the limits because only until we attempt the impossible will we see God do the improbable. And that fires me up because I don't want to be a church that just plays games. I want to be a church that says, man, we want to be desperate for the spirit of God to move, and if he doesn't move, we are toast. Lou Zamperini, he had prayed to God when he was on that raft, and you read his biography and and he it tells it like this. that he's, He asked God, God, if you'll save my life, I'll follow you. Fast forward a few years and he's a civilian now and, and he's been rescued physically. He was desperate for some physical needs to be met and they were met. But he found himself desperate once again spiritually. He had turned to alcohol and, and other things to try to medicate the trauma that he had been through. And his wife and... Um, they're new, their new kids, they were trying to do life and it wasn't working out. And, and his wife hears about a guy named Billy Graham coming to town to preach. And so she goes and, and she gives her life to Christ. And she comes back and says, Lou, I want you to go to this, this church with me, this tent. And he's like, No, nah, I ain't going there. And he resists. Finally, he gives in while sitting underneath the preaching of a man named Billy, who was so gifted and making the gospel so clear. Lou surrendered his life to Christ and God met his needs spiritually and Lou would go on to live a life faithfully following Jesus Christ and he would be a great witness to the world a man that was once desperate for God to meet his needs physically became desperate for God to meet his needs spiritually and God did both and listen you'll never be the leader God destined you to be if you haven't trusted him with your eternity and I hope that you would today. If you would, bow your head and close your eyes. I just wanna ask you a couple of questions as we conclude this morning. First question is this, are you desperate for God? Could you sing with integrity, be thou my vision, O Lord? Are you de- what, what are you desperate for God for? What's the diagnosis that you need God to help you through? What's the situation that you need God to show up Who's the person that if God, doesn't, if God doesn't do it, it's not gonna happen in their life? How are you putting your faith on display in a way that seems risky so that God would show up greatly? Are you desperate for God? Second question, do you know God? Have you come to the point to admit your spiritual desperation? Has there been a point in your life where you've heard about the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and how the offer to be saved from your sin and be forgiven was made clear to you and you accepted that offer or have you yet to do that? If you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, today would be a great day to do that. God cannot use you if you're not his. It starts with a relationship with him. And once you're in relationship with him, he will blow your mind, move it mightily on your behalf. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for today. God, I thank you for my friends. I pray that you would bless them with obedient hearts. Holy Spirit, we say that we need you. God, that we're toast apart from you. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would fill us. God, give us a sense of desperation. Give us a sense of urgency because we know the call clearly. And Holy Spirit, would you fill us to a measure that is overflowing. and Allow us to do the things that you called us to do. Help us to be witnesses in the world. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Would you give the Lord a hand?
0: Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure and subscribe and share with a friend. We hope today's message inspired and challenged you. Let's go be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. For more information about Abundant Life, visit livingproof.co or follow us on social media at Abundant Life LS.